Are you too old to have a bath these days, Naggy? Enough about me and my bathing. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm going to watch it then. It'll be uh, the shortest subject in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening and welcome to The Joust. My name is Nagy. I'm here as always with my co-host Liam McNeil. Liam, how are you today? I'm well, thank you, Nagy. Very well indeed. Uh, it's been a day of reflection again on uh, a pretty poor result, but yeah, not quite as not quite as depressing as the last week. Yeah, no, I don't know. There's something about that win. Let's say that win. I can talk about <laughs> losses like well, they're wins now. That's uh, that's how I've coped with losses. No, there's something about that loss that we, you know, we showed a bit of guts. Uh, of course, we're talking about the Tigers game uh, on Friday back at the graveyard shift and uh, we, we went down. We went down 16-25 to the Tigers. But did we really think that we were going to win that game, Liam? Yes. <laughs> I did, actually. I really did. Again, it's the hope debacle that we've been discussing the last few weeks. I thought when Connor Watson was ruled out, I thought that was a big blow. And then I had a look at their side and I forgot, you know, certain things about the Tigers since last time we played them. Since we last played them, they've acquired uh, Robbie Farah. Uh, You know, say what you will about Robbie Farah, but he was better than the the hooking option that they had there. Uh, And also they got Moses Mbai. Mbai. And... I think he's, you know, at fullback's probably his best position. So I'm like, they've got a better fullback. They've got a, um, a better hooker. Um, you know, Benji Marshall plays well for about 20 minutes a game and did so against us. So it's, you know, I just thought they probably got us. Uh, but Luke Brooks really, really, uh, really owned the show, I thought. I think Luke Brooks had a very good game. Yeah, he steered them around well, really controlled the game in a way that we haven't really seen Luke, Brook- Luke, 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 Luke Brooks Luke Brooks do in the past. And yeah, I just think we were fairly comprehensively outplayed. I thought so too. For most of the game, I thought they were the better side. But also, uh, we threw it away in several different areas, Liam. But uh, I'll, as I'll, is tradition, <laughs> as is tradition, we can't have a game of football without throwing it away at some no. point. Now, Liam, I'm going to throw it to you. What went right for you that game, Nagy? What went right? Uh, parts of the second forty minutes. Now, one of the best things that went right for me was uh, the form of our young prodigy, Kalen Ponga. Mm. Obviously, he had to move into the halves to cover for Mitchell Pearce's injury. Uh, through a cork. Yeah. Someone opened a champagne bottle around him. <laughs> oh, we don't have a joke sound. We just use. That's, that's a good pong, one. That's, that's the pong, pong sound. Pong well, there you go. We're talking about, We're talking about hashtag the, pong the strong. Pong, so yeah. it's appropriate. I thought he slid into the halves very well. You know, we we saw what he can do in Origin in that front line. And I thought he really steered the team around well yeah. in the absence of Mitch Pierce, which is what Jack Cogger needed. Um, and again, I thought Jack Cogger, not bad. He's showing what he can do with a dominant half beside him. Uh, the bench fired. Now, Herman SASA came on pretty early. He had a good game, I think about 134 running meters, 34 tackles, two errors, but he brought a lot of uh, energy off the bench, as did Chris Hyington. Yeah. I thought he was one of our better players late in the game when he came on, brought a lot of energy, real go forward. And JJ Felice, solid off the bench. Um, you know, didn't blow us all away, but yeah. I thought he was quite good off the bench, showed enough that he can, you know, really offer a lot to us. Uh, our building pressure. Now, in the first half, we couldn't build pressure to save our lives. No. But the second half really improved on that, which was interesting because with Pierce going down, I thought, oh, there we go. You know, we haven't been building pressure in the first half to convert into points. Not going to happen. But then we started tightening the screws a little bit, started exposing a few errors in the Tigers game. So I thought that really improved throughout the game. And last but not least, the defense in the red zone. Now, the result doesn't really show it, but on our own line and... 
inside the 10, 20 metre area. I thought the Knights defended quite well. Yeah, well, well, there's an article that came out today, uh, you know, courtesy of the Hammer, Josh Spiegelman, as are all our stats, uh, courtesy of the... Thank you, Hammer, for sharing that article as well. Talking about how the Knights' tackle effectiveness is the highest in the uh, in the comp, but we have the the worst defence. Isn't it something? Now, I'm not a man for stats. That's why we we outsource <laughs> our stats to uh, to Spiegelman, uh, and it's uh, and that's because I, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm sorry, I'm just not not a man of numbers or words. Actually, I'm I'm sort of uh, in between. Anything written? Anything written? Anything? Anything that's a symbol <laughs> that I'm meant to understand? I don't. But um, it's it, it was interesting to see. And look, I think we did defend well at points in there, but it was we really threw the game away. Look, what went right for me, we did score. We managed to, look, even though it was uh, 25-16, we scored three tries apiece. So what really let us down was our discipline, giving them too many penalties. Uh, and uh, didn't they run away with it? They went for the two, I think, six times there. So yeah, it could have been a much closer game, uh, but just score two tries without Mitchell Pierce. I thought we did a good job. Now, what went wrong, Liam? Well, Affa mentioned errors and penalties. Now, the errors were just heartbreaking because they were all errors in terrible areas of the field. We'd either make an area coming out of yardage or we'd make an error inside at the attacking zone. And we only completed for 68%, yeah. which is absolutely woeful, given that we've been completing quite well this year. One of the highest. Uh, one of the highest completing the, Yeah, teams, I believe yeah. highest in the NRL up until the last two weeks. It was only 13 errors to seven in favour of us. And we didn't get to our first kick for the first 17 minutes. Now, that was a stat I've never heard mentioned, but the... Yeah. Uh, Fox NRL commentators brought light to it that we didn't actually complete a set for the first 17 minutes. And then when Mitchell Pearce finally got his first kick on the fifth, it was a beauty. The crowd erupted. They did, because <laughs> we hadn't seen it all game. Yeah. That's a stat I've never heard, but it's a bizarre one. Yeah, it, it was an interesting game. Uh, and, you know, we sort of we came apart at the seams, losing Pearce, coming back in the second half. Uh, and looking like we could have, you know, leaked a lot more points and thought without Pierce there, the orchestrator, we could have gone to tits. Uh, and we sort of did in parts. But like, a little yeah, bit. But to have uh, Ponga really step up, everyone got to see what Ponga was like <clears throat> in the halves. Uh, and that was exciting to see because he was involved. He was there. It and was wonderful. And just when I, you know, just when I was explaining to... Uh, to Cassie, my girlfriend, who I was watching the game with, I was like, yeah, you got to watch Ponga uh, because, you know, he's just so good. And she was like, why is he so good? And then he just big step out from the 20 and, and goes over pretty much untouched. It was a beauty. It was a really good step. But again, it's it's kind of a strange thing from Elijah Taylor. You've got the best stepper in the game and you rush up off your line to him. Yeah. And you can't adjust. It was a stupid play from Elijah Taylor. Another thing went wrong. Funnily enough, we've just been talking how good our defense was. In defense, we had some issues. Now, the issue was not with the tackles being made, Nagy. The issue was letting the Tigers come to us. Yeah. When the Tigers would uh, generate a head of steam, generate a bit of momentum off the back of their forwards, a defensive line just kind of stood back and let them approach us, let them approach the Knights line. And it really let them get a head of steam going, which then opened up the back of the ruck, which we all know how Robbie Farah is. Again, like you said, say what you will about him. We have in the past. Yeah. But he really exploited <laughs> the back of the ruck on the back of our defensive line just not moving up. We just gave them time and space and let them do with us what they would. Well, it was sort of chalk and cheese watching, I think, uh, the Tigers forwards uh, sort of dominate that ruck early. Uh, it was comments made through the uh, early, you know, after the game, sorry, that say that uh, Dan Safiti looked pretty gassed through that game. Um, just looked a bit of... He missed a couple of key tackles. He just... He was running all right, but he just wasn't doing it as often and just looked like, you know, we went through a large part of that first half without, um, early on without touching the ball, really. The Tigers just had all the ball and put a lot of that pressure on us. And it seemed like that's when cracks start to show. So, you know, and also, um, you know, I'll, I'll, before I jump into this, I'll ask you, Liam, what went wrong? 
I've already we, we've just been discussing what went wrong. Oh well, I, the thing <laughs> I, the thing I really want to like really want to talk about is uh, uh, there's two players that really stood out to me and what we'll call hats back on hats uh, back on yeah well, uh, which is unusual because we usually start with a, with a hats off. So I know we'll, this we'll, is a. I oh, know we've gone off script, Liam. It's uh, bear, bear with me. Hats back on, Liam. Uh, went oh. to I think there was two standout players for a while there in the first half. It looks like it's like all the players, you know, as they do watch watch the show each week, and they really wanted the hats back on because they there was a, plenty of nominees. Mm-hmm. Some weeks we find it really hard to pick anyone for hats back on, but uh, there was two players in particular. Liam, what, who was yours? For me, it's got to be Josh King. We've said it a few mm. times on this podcast, and you know, I'm sure Josh is a lovely fellow. I'm sure he's a great guy. But he's just not up to first grade standard. I think, again, courtesy of uh, Josh Biegerman, jo- uh, Josh King had two runs mm. for 10 metres, one post-contact metres. Sorry, one post-contact metre. Because it's not... Singular. It's singular. Yeah. Which is our word of the week, Naggy. Word of the week this week? Singular. Singular. Mm. Um, and 15 tackles with three ineffective. So fully one-fifth or 20% of his tackles were ineffective tackles. He held off uh, Russell Packer. For the first try when Fitzgibbon had him one-on-one, yeah. King just kind of waited. I yeah, I know he was waiting for the offload, but still, you can't have one man on Russell Packer. I, oh, it's Josh King. There's players that don't Come usually on. score tries, and then they'll score against us. It's I don't know why. Because we have shit defense. That's probably why. But it started it's just, with Sean Lane. But yeah, Round this, one. Yeah, scored sh- two. Scored two against us. He got a couple on the weekend, actually. He's not, not oh, he too did. bad. He also got two against us the second time. <sighs> what was that? I think, well, it's just that close to the line, you know, I don't, uh, the big fella uh, that we can't stop. And Russell Packer was that big fella this week. He just sort of um, hit and then waited and then went, no, I'll, I'll keep going. One of the softest tries I've ever seen. Yeah, it didn't look good. Um, and so Josh King was yours. You know, I think it was a lot of people's, Josh King, uh, because uh, he only had that one stint. I don't understand Brownie's... Uh, for rotation. I know we're all adapting to this eight interchange thing now. Yes. Eight has it gone out of six. They're talking about going out of six. Uh, and so it's obviously you got to change it. And once you, you know, necessarily when you're on once, you might you come off, you might not be going back on like the good old days when it was 12. Um, so <laughs> well, the great days when it was unlimited Limited. interchange yeah, and yeah, yeah. football was terrible. So, so, but now you think Josh King knows that. He got promoted to the front, to the starting lineup again. Uh, for probably at least the third or fourth time this season. And you think he'd probably go be like, I'm just going to knuckle down, do my job and get off. At least, you know, numbers doesn't portray everything, but he. But what really killed it for me was the two errors. Oh, they were heartbreakers as well. I mean, the most telling one for me, after we scored that first try, he takes a second hit up off the kickoff, drops it stone cold. And, and then, You need to have a good set off the back of points. And he extinguished that. And like Brownie came out and said, oh, well, I'm sick of carrying players that uh, hand the ball over and you know no professionalism in the game and <clears throat> just makes it hard to win. But it's like, Brownie, you're the one that keeps promoting him to the... You keep picking you Josh keep, King. You not only just pick him, but you promoted him to the start. And you think, why? You know, at least, you know, that game could have been very different potentially when you have Herman SSA and, um, you know, JJ Felice and Chris Hyington all run the ball quite well compared to Josh King. Uh, and having, you know, the Ox um, Lilliman uh, doing the same thing week after week. I know it's like hard to think, you know, what can we do? But sh- surely, like the two errors, that, like, that's got to be enough for Josh King. Like, you know, I don't know what Luke Yates has said about Brownie <laughs> that he's got wind of. <laughs> But Luke Yates just can't, you know, after especially having a really strong game against the Tigers last time, about 14 rounds ago, it, but it was like... Oh, he just, hasn't been sighted since. No, maybe he's dead. Um, no, we caught up with him over the oh, yeah, last week. Yeah, he's well true. and truly alive that's and true. looking wonderful. He looks outstanding. His moustache could do with a bit of work. But hey, it's, at least it's not Corey Dennis's moustache. So That's true. Th- yeah, the... the I don't know. I don't want to say refusal, but the kind of... 
refusal to yeah. pick Luke Yates or you know someone else in the front row, anyone but Josh King, really. Brownie could have a run himself in the front <laughs> row, maybe offer more than Josh King. I don't know. 15 tackles, two runs, one post-contact media. Surely you could get a reserve grader in there and getting better numbers. At least someone that wants his hands on the ball. Well, there's more to discuss about that in the news later. But, Nagy, yeah. who was your hats back on? You oh. mentioned two players. We've just discussed one. Yeah. Who have you got? The second being uh, our one of our favourites to talk about on the show, Kenneth albert Sio. Uh, Kenny kickoffs. <laughs> Kenny kickoffs? No, he can't. Because okay. um, twice, uh, talking about the two errors from Josh King. Two times, ladies and gentlemen. That's Twice. once and then a second, second time. time. He not only kicked it too far, but actually, no, that's exactly what he did. He kicked it too far, out of bounds. And you've been critical of him before, saying that he doesn't kick far enough. I have, as I mentioned, uh, I think a week or two ago on the show, me and my father were at the footy on the uh, game against the team we played a few weeks ago. Yep. And we were discussing Kenny's short kickoffs, which are, you know, ineffective. Too long to be a good short kickoff, but too short to be a good long kickoff. Mm. As you've summed up beautifully there, Nagy. Just ineffective. He's the three-quarter length cargo pants of kickers. Are they short longs or long shorts? No one knows. And I did actually the other day remember a photo of me well in my 20s wearing three-quarter pants. And I regret it immensely. And I think Kenny's going to regret those two... Uh, Two kickoff errors. Well, they wanted to just show like that much ankle, like no, or, too or much ankle, just over the knee. Well, that's what I was thinking about. Is like, are they, are they just short long pants? Yeah. And then I had a look, and I'm like, no, these are just three quarter pants. <laughs> uh, you know, but at least they weren't the zip off three quarter pants that I wore in my youth. Did they have lots of pockets? Not enough. <laughs> Not enough to be worth it. I don't know what I was thinking with those pants. Everyone just was really into like pockets for a while there. Just thought yeah. more pockets was better. Well, they, it, it is. But how, like, you know, six pockets on a pair of pants? Look, that's excessive. It's, I'll tell you what, yeah, excessive. Just like Kenny's kickoffs. Which just <laughs> like Kenny's kickoffs. Because they were way too far. And, of course, the uh, Kenny Sinbins. We're going to call him as well. Yes, he can. <laughs> Kenny <laughs> Sinbins. Yeah. Yes, he can. But, look, besides those errors, I thought Kenny worked really hard to make up for it. He, um, you know, he ran hard. He made a few good defensive reads. I think, yes, he had those errors, but he, he wasn't terrible. Well, yeah, well, he still gets my hats back on for this week. Reasonably so. Uh, now, we'll, we'll go to something more positive. Your hats off, Liam. Now, hats this is what this I week. want to talk about, Nagy. This yeah. is what I want to talk about. Look, again, this is hats off this year has been the easiest thing in the world because, hell, it's just the Pong. Pong so, Strong. Hashtag Pong Strong. He had another great game. Obviously, the shift into the halves could have disrupted his game, uh, as it would many young playmakers like himself. But the stats read beautifully. He had 163 metres, four tackle busts, a try, a line break, and an offload. I think, you know, he was in everything. He was everywhere the Knights needed to be. And his kicking game was quite good. Uh, a few good long kicks. Really nice short kicks to force a few repeat sets, which the Knights haven't been great at over the last few years. You know, it's just getting boring. He played with, <laughs> he played with confidence. He uh, did. And he backed himself. He and I think, did. I think uh, most Knights supporters would like a player that's proven, you know, over time to really chance their arm. I think we all sort of like a Connor Watson down the blind, even if it doesn't come off three times in a row. Oh, we love it. <laughs> and I like, you know, I like the... I don't. We've never been good at these sweeping plays that other teams can do. Never been good at it. Um, but then there's we we were sort of guilty previously. I think against the Bulldogs especially of just sort of spinning it to that side and just hoping that we're going to find an overlap. Um, and you know they just that's not how overlaps work. I know, but it was just that hoping. But like at least Ponga like gets it. and You don't know what he's going to do, and if he sees something, he will just go it. Um, and good on him for it. I think we all like him. I but, think we're <laughs> going to need a new thing to give Ponga because hats off every week. Yeah, he needs something else. Pants? Maybe he can take... Oh, yeah. <laughs> pants off for the Pong. Yeah. Pants Hashtag off. 
pants, pants off, off for the, the pong, pong, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let's get that one started. Let's get that firing. Yeah. How about yourself, Nagy? Who did you have for hats off? My hats off was the Italian stallion, uh, Aiden Huera. Ah, uh, Mr. Huera. <laughs> yes. Um, and he, like, he's, he's, I think you got a couple of stats there for him. He, yeah, obviously getting the try, but he just tried, like, speaking of try, he just tried his guts out the whole game. He, you know, he just sort of threw himself into the line. You know, I think he had nine tackle busts. Um, you know, he, obviously getting that try, but 40 tackles. Yeah, I think he played, uh, if he didn't play the whole game, he definitely um, showed an extremely high work rate. For, he did. The numbers speak beautifully for him 16 runs for 120. 20 metres, 45 tackles with only two misses, which is funny because in that same uh, article you brought up about the Knights' defence, yeah. they said that Aiden Guerra is in the top 10 uh, missed tacklers in the rugby league. However, really, really however, because he makes so many, yeah. his uh, effective tackle percentage is actually insanely high. So he misses a few, but he makes so many more. So 45 tackles, only two misses this week. Nine tackle bus, which yeah. is ludicrous. A uh, line break and then that beautiful try. So, yeah, a great hats off day. I think Aiden's mm. really shown. There were talks, you know, when we signed him that maybe he's not the player he used to be. And I think we're exactly right on that. He's playing a different style of footy. He's not that wide-running second rower that he was at the Roosters. Well, I, don't think but, could, I don't think he can afford to be. No, he can't. But yeah. he, he's really turned himself into that workhorse that every forward pack needs. I think, you know, when we look back, Inevitably, at the end of the year, as we want to do, I think he's going to come up in talks of one of our best signings. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting, and obviously we've got the game this week uh, against the Warriors um, uh, over there. I over there, uh, Mount Smart Stadium in Mount Auckland, S- I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've look, I've written a really uh, very in-depth breakdown of how to take on the Warriors, how to beat them in Auckland. You know what to do. Who the fuck knows? Who knows? It's really impossible. Like they'll go out one week get towelled up by the team coming last, then yep. the, you know, favourites for the Premiership. You don't know. You so, don't know which Warriors side is actually we're going to play, but they won last week in quite a good game against the Dragons. Mm, so ho- Again, what, how? I don't know. So, so hopefully, because they won last week, this week, we should have them. Yeah, uh, they because they lost to the Titans the week before. Yeah, and, then, and the Titans lost to the Eels. Rugby League maths... Isn't just rugby league the best thing in the world? Yeah, well, it's yeah. just wonderful. I think it used to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're boring. I oh, know, right? But it, obviously, like, how do you think we're going to go against the Warriors? Just, I know you have no idea, but like, you, let's see the team lineup. Obviously, Mitchell Pearce is carrying a cork injury. Baz just posted that uh, that he will take the number seven. Yep, take it as red, according to Baz, that uh, he will play number seven. How do you see that that squad come together? Uh, assuming that Mitchell Pearce is maybe a fifty-fifty. Look, I think if Pearce plays, you keep Cogger in the halves. He's shown that he can play with Mitchell Pearce uh, as his halves partner. Yeah. That will free up Ponga to remain at the back. Danny Levi starting to show some form at hooker. Mm. If they drop King, promote JJ Felice, I think we're in with a red-hot go. Um, I don't think we've won over there much. I can't remember the stats, but we have not won in New Zealand much. No. But... Yeah. This is the year of unpredictable drought breaks, <laughs> except well, the actual drought, except, um, which yeah. is never looking like breaking those poor farmers. Yeah. But in NRL terms, a yeah. lot of droughts being broken. This could be the one I think we're going to get it. Any team with Ponga in it, uh, and hopefully with Pierce in it as well, you know, you'd sort of back us. Uh, it's we haven't, you know, even again we lost that game, but we still managed to score three tries. We matched them with tries. We let ourselves down. We let, let the team down, ourselves down, and the fans down. We, and the whole city. And the whole city. And the, whole, the entire region. The whole region. And uh, the farmers. We really let the farmers. We down. We let the farmers down as well because there's mm. a lot of them in in the in the Newcastle catchment area. Mm. 
But it's it's going to be interesting to see whether we actually show up in the game, actually make amends, because you know now sitting on uh, as you know eight wins, uh, which is what we got the spoon for in 2015. It'd be nice just to just to get away from that, you just know, to what bump I mean? the numbers up a bit. If just, we could finish the year with two wins and double our win tally from last season, although I admit looking at it, the run home that doesn't seem likely, tough. it would be yeah. nice. It would be nice, and everything's possible. But we need those wins. I'd really hate to finish on a seven-game losing streak in that last, especially that last win against the Titans was so promising. But you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Tell me the news, Liam. <laughs> Now, Naggy. It's a huge... This is a huge week for news. We haven't had a week like it since the season started, so we'll rush through it quickly. Now, speaking of the way the side will shape up for the weekend, mm. Barry Tui has reported that Pasami Solo is to debut before the end of the year. Now, young Pasami has been lighting it up in reserve grade, unlike pretty much the rest of the reserve grade team. <laughs> yeah. um, still eligible for the 20s, but it's looking like he'll get a debut. They are comparing him to Paul Harrigan. Saying he's very Harrigan-like. Um, I saw this, and he's, he's obviously he's, he's he's quite a tall fellow, but he's about 105 kilos. which is quite light for a prop. Yeah, I don't quite get the Harrigan. Um, it's odd comparison. It's yeah. odd, but I like it. Whatever, who cares? So yeah. <laughs> he'll be in before the end of the season. It looks like now. Obviously, we've got Pierce potentially out with a cork, but as Barry said, not a chance of missing the game. I didn't actually say not a chance, so no, okay, don't, don't quote me on that. Um, Watson has been listed for around 23 returns, so we're still without him for a bit. Yeah, um, suffering groin as well. You're just, suffering a groin problem. Just, yeah. But sticking with our last news item for the Knights, Jesse Remian mm. signing for 2019. I think, Elliot, we've got uh, a bit of footage here of Jesse Remian. This is now, his effort on the weekend. Um, he's uh, become a very powerhouse centre. You'll notice he gets the ball... You know, one-on-one with Brian Kelly, strolls through him, powers through three or four players. It's good to keep an eye on these signings Look we've got this. for next year. It's like a bull, like in a in a China shop. But bull holding, in a Chinese restaurant. But holding, holding a ball. <laughs> holding a ball. And if the ball was going only for a line. Um, <laughs> Never seen a bull do that. It's no, no. If anything, it's probably not a great uh, example. But he's got to be very exciting. And, like, you'd think, you know, with our outside backs, and you, you know, often our outside backs and our props, have been uh, under scrutiny this this year, so it's uh, it's it's going to be seen. We, we obviously get the the prop. Uh, what's his name? The new fella from the Storm, Tim Glasby. Tim Glasby. We've got Tim Glasby coming in, and Edric Lee and and Ramian coming in as well. So it feels like we're just going to get a little bit more fight, more uh, fight around the. Uh, hopefully we do. Otherwise, they it might be the Jack Bird story, and then you get mm. a placenta like that that comes to a new club and just you know falls falls to pieces. I thought you said a placenta like that. A placenta? No, yeah, no, no but no, you no. didn't. But that's okay. Now, next piece in the news. Last week. The NRL has announced five, Nagy, five new Immortals. Mm. Now, they came out and said, we're going to be releasing two new Immortals. And then on the night, they just said, bugger all of you, we're doing five. five. And I think I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. They, now, they announced the three pre-war Immortals. Immortals? Immortals. Immortals. Thank you. That's right. Which are Dave Brown, Daly Messenger, and Frank Burge. Now, yeah. people have been saying things about whether or not the pre-war guys should get in, whether they shouldn't. Mm. I think they should have absolutely. A, without Rugby League, without Daly Messenger, you don't have a game of Rugby League. Frank Burge basically invented this, you know, the try scoring forward. He invented that. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. And what was the other one? Dave Brown. Dave Brown. He scored something like 38 points in a game and a million tries. They all have to be there. They should have been there from the start, but it's done now and it's dusted. They need to be in the Immortals. The second two were Norman Proven yeah. and Malcolm Meninga. They were the two ones that are still with us. They were the two post-war immortal, 
Is Norm Proven still with us? Can we change the name of the Immortals, please? Because <laughs> I just a... cannot say it. I oh. believe Norm Proven is still with us and was actually there to be presented with his Immortals jacket. Does all right, I, I got asked about the Immortals about two years ago. And okay. then someone who didn't follow the game, they said, can you name the Immortals? Like, who are the Immortals? And I said them, and I named Norm Proven uh, and uh, Summons as well. And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, this is all. And then I realized, no, none of them are there. It's a weird group because obviously you've got the Rugby League Hall of Fame and then you've got the Immortals and then now... Now there's 12, uh, no, 13. 13 um, and, you know, obviously Mal Meninga, I could definitely back Mal Meninga because obviously, you know, if you look at the game in a really holistic sort of a view, um, you've got uh, him as a player and all that he achieved. Now him as a coach and then all that he achieved, you're like, well, he's... Him as a, you know, up to this point has given so much that, uh, that you could recognise, um, you know, as a whole view. So it's... But the rest, I don't know. I just don't know if they're... Like, honestly, they're, they're not relevant. They shouldn't be celebrated. But I think it dilutes the pot a bit, uh, doesn't it? Well, does it dilute the pot, Nagy? We've had rugby league mm. for 110 years now, and we only have 13 immortals. That is essentially one immortal yeah. per decade, which roughly lines up with, you know, what an immortal should be, a once-in-a-generation talent. It's more... It, it's going to come under more scrutiny when you have the likes of um, Billy Slater, Jonathan Thurston, Cameron Smith... Uh, who am I forgetting? Oh, one of them. Darren Lockyer. In five years, they'll be doing another uh, batch of Immortals. Oh, yeah. And it'll come down to, well, hang on. If we've got three to fit in that category, all of a sudden, you're like, well, hang on. They're not Immortals, perhaps, because they should be once in a generational talent. Oh. But the confusion that you're talking about, Nagy, stems from how poorly it's been handled in the past. Yeah. Obviously, the Immortals was dreamed up by Rugby League Week, was owned by them until... A few, uh, very recently and then the NRL have taken it over so I think what the NRL are doing with this is saying alright all the past immortals talk we're getting it out of the way it's done From in future it's just going to be fresh immortals talk there's no more debate about the pre-war immortals because it's done, done yeah. the NRL have now updated the Hall of Fame they've updated the immortals because nothing had been done with them for you know a decade Since a decade and a half, half yeah. so the NRL are really trying to take ownership of the concept. I think they've done it really well. I love the history of the game. Yeah. But the most important thing about having these players in and listening to Rugby League Digest, great podcast, by the way, give it a listen. They have their own Hall of Fame and they discuss if you're nominated, can you tell the story of Rugby League without these particular players? Ooh. And I think those five, the only one you could probably say no. I was going to say Norm Prime, but even then you can't because he's on the goddamn trophy. trophy yeah. These are you know a number of players who I don't think you can tell the rugby league story without, which is what the Immortals concept should be about. Players who basically made the game of rugby league worth talking about. Yeah, I understand, but like have to have eight for so, like so long, seven for for you know as much as I can remember, eight, and then now it's thirteen. It's like what's well, a big jump? You know what I mean? Like but they just, had to make the big jump because they've only just taken it over, and do they like, don't want to do once a year. Make it more of a celebration. Rather yeah, but than then it's like, not the Immortals. That's what the Hall of Fame's for, Nagy. You uh, want to do that once a year, but the Immortals concept should be one every five years and maybe one or two. But because it had been neglected for so long, we had to have this big influx. So. I see where you're coming from, Nagy, but I, I disagree respectfully. That's all right. You raise valid points now, Liam. As do we all. Next item <laughs> no, in the news. No, before you Ooh. go, was, uh, I think Rugby League, you know, Rugby League Week had the... Were you Big League or Rugby League Week when you were growing up? Which magazine did you lean towards? Whichever one I could get my filthy little mitts on. I loved them both. I just love reading about Rugby League. If it's printed on paper and it's about Rugby League, I'll read it. It's uh, You'll take it to the can. Um, the, mm. the, uh, no, no, no. I wouldn't take it there because it lived in there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry the, about that. Was that your mug? No, I've just bumped 
stomped it with the heel of my palm. But yeah, no, I didn't take it to the can, Naggy. Yeah. It lived in the can. That's where it stayed. That's where it stayed. Yeah. Rolled up. It's, it's almost auxiliary paper. Yeah. Rugby League Week, thoroughly absorbent. No, it was always Rugby League Week. Only because it had the player, um, the, the review numbers. The player ratings. I missed the player, the player ratings. ratings. But yeah. you never saw a 10. Nah. It was only a player, because this is my problem with it at the same time. <laughs> I hated it. Every week I looked at it and I was like really hoping that my favorite players at the time, usually Josh Perry, well, I, I don't know. I was when young. would Josh Perry ever get a 10? No, 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 no. But like, he would, I'd be like, if he got a six, I'd be like, what? And then if he got a seven, I'm like, yeah. But then if he got an eight, pretty much that was, if you started the game, you're looking between a five and an eight. You needed to do something. You needed to be breaking records um, and to get like a nine. Uh, and then 10 was never mentioned and you could never get a two. Players that like came on and immediately got injured got one or something like that. And it's like, <laughs> no, just give them a zero. Yeah. Just, you know, they're not, they may as well not have played the game. Which I think all good uh, player rating systems will do. You the- basically start with a baseline of two or three yeah. and then you add to that or subtract from that but if you don't get enough time to add to it just say well you didn't get enough time to add to it the rugby union does that the, well then you had big league who had better stats but no player rating so it was really angry I was always really angry at it um, you know, <laughs> but I'd, you're I'd, an I'd, angry young man I'd flick back to it so quickly I had a huge <laughs> stack of them but I was always rugby league week even though sometimes it was a bit shit <laughs> it was, yeah rugby league week was a bit, it was just really thin and there was only maybe like seven good pages uh, but they always had posters as well because they were bigger. Also, I liked that they always used to do like the country rap. I'd always go around, go through and uh, find group two and circle it. And I did like that too. But then Ghost Hotel. But then Big League also had the the teams lists for the for like you know the other. So you could follow like the Illawarra um, ones. And be like, oh, that's where that player ended up. That's you know Tamanata who's playing for them now. Like you know those sort of. You know, I did always like reading through those. Yeah, the reserve grades, the various reserve grades around the country, and you see where players end up or yeah. where they've started from. You look at many former NRL players are there. It's amazing. You know, Michael Wayman's playing for. I don't know. The Golgong Goannas. Yeah, it'd be something like that. So, <laughs> But the yeah, Rugby League Week had none of that. That's probably why it folded. Potentially. Uh, <laughs> is Big League still Or it might have just been because no one reads print media anymore and they should have moved to an online, maybe subscription-based model and they died. <laughs> so that could be it too. Could be that too. Like, yeah. We better chuff on. We've, Let's we've chuff got, on. We've, more news. Now, Matt Checken has announced his retirement from refereeing. He's mm. just notched up his 300th game. 300th rather game as a referee. Why, but is, why is he retired, Liam? Because of dickheads. He's retired. He said he's sick. Well, he didn't say it in such vitriolic terms, but he said he's sick and tired yeah. <laughs> of him and his family receiving death threats from disgruntled fans. Now, I think that's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really reasonable reason to quit a job. Um, you know, ref blaming by the media. He didn't say that, but I know. Yeah. I know. And all the scrutiny the referees come under, he's basically said, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm out. And again, I completely understand it. Absolutely. We're losing our best referee because of a bunch of dickheads wouldn't shut up and let him do his job. You've got to think how much oh. money are these refs on? Obviously, it's a full-time enough. thing. But it's like, but, like, but you got these and all their copper scrutiny. It, they either hear, you know, the referee's not mentioned and that's considered a well-refereed game or it's scrutiny. And you either get one or the other. And obviously, these death threats, I think a lot of them stem from, it needed to be uh, police escorted out of New Zealand. Is this correct? After, After the, the World Cup, due to the call uh, he made where I believe it was an Andrew for Feeder, no yeah. try in the game against England yeah, and he to make the final, and he needed a police escort out of the country. He had the <laughs> AFP escorting him back into Australia. And again, the death threats, it was the correct decision. <laughs> yeah. But people were like, you should have gone to the 
bunker, you're an asshole, I'll and kill your kids. still would have seen the uh, the same decision because yeah. it was the correct decision. It's terrible. And Fans like, get your shit together and stop acting like morons. You can't attack that. Like, obviously, you know, we want better quality referees, but we're making the current referees feel so uncomfortable for a, a full-time wage. I don't know what, but if, if they're looking at them going, I could be driving a truck and earning similar money, and that way I still don't see my children, but at least I know they're safe. So it's like, <laughs> it's like a, such a... Plus, like, you could do a lot more drugs. I hear truckies like their... Uh, it's it's hard. Like imagine being a oh Jesus, Liam. Uh, Can we cut that in post, please? <laughs> uh, well, it's it's gonna be interesting to see because now it's be such a you know has no no one has any desire to be a rugby league official anymore because they're one of the most hated people in the game because you could be a, a fan and be loved by everyone else who's a fan <laughs> or you could be an official and be hated by everyone that you know around a game. That you know that you've you've uh, supposedly grown up and loved yourself because no one's becoming a rugby league um, official that you know really loves soccer. So it's like you no, have to have this don't. love from from an early and then take it on as a profession, only to be said told week after week you're really really shit at your job by thousands of different people because you know at any given time the longer a referee's a referee in the NRL on television making decisions, it's just like you're gonna have you know, tens of thousands of people, armchair, you know, greats of the game, just sort of just sitting around, you know, never never picked up a pair of boots himself, but going, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about, and, oh, back in my day, and oh, he's a joke, and, you know, it's just, imagine, they would cop that outside of the game as well, trying and to get around. not only that, hearing it from the NRL media as well, regularly, all so often, it's, and predictably, the NRL media have distanced themselves from this, saying, oh, it was the actions of fans who have, you know, pissed the referees off and scared mm. them to death, no. when it was they themselves who created the climate that empowered fans to do this they've always had a target on the referees they've been you know free to bash and lampoon and ridicule refs whenever they want mm. so the fans take that as a sign of oh boy that's okay i can tell a ref his kids not going to last the week because the media you know say bad things about the ref all the time as well and they've distanced themselves and said oh well you know the media we have a responsibility to report and uh, you know so it's all the fans and mm. they've really made a shit out of this they've shit the bed there they've shit the bed there and uh, you can guarantee that it won't be the last and like even like the, the officials you look at the like you know the Bill Harrigans or the Tim Manders or the Sean Hampsteads and, and things like and it's like they all only do it for a certain time then they then they leave and that was when that was doing it as a part time job so there's not a long life as a referee so why would you want to you know it's just a terrible the, the quality of referee is not going to go up is because it's only going to go down because you have people that are sort of reluctantly falling into the position because others have others have left. And on a side note, I was drinking the the same water that I poured for you, Liam. That I um that I I've got from the laundry tap here, and it just tastes a bit strange. <laughs> really, I found it to taste quite nice. But I'll top you up anyway. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, it's like how do you expect your referees to improve when the powers that be and the media and the the whatevers are constantly cutting them down so mm. they don't know where to improve and. Oh. We all know our thoughts on this, Nagy, and if we don't move to the next news item, this is going to be a four-hour-long podcast. Huge news item coming straight out of, as we're walking into the uh, the Annie Dome tonight. Straight out of the riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hook um, has been hooked. That's uh, it. Old Merv Griffin out there at the foot of the hills mm. has been given the heave-ho by Philip Ronald Gould. Tastes metallic, the water. Anyway, the, uh, it's like sucking on a and it's coin. This <laughs> is every week. There's lead in the water, Nagy. Oh, well, hasn't got me yet. And yeah, it's interesting. And then this is. Yes, it has. You've slowed considerably. <laughs> so he's been sacked from this point. <laughs> he's been sacked. He's no longer the referee. The referee. He's no longer the coach of Penrith. He's also not the referee, though. He's not the referee either. But he but never was. Yeah, I tell you what, there might be an opening there. So, that, <laughs> you know, so. Um, has that ever been done? Someone coach? Oh, yeah, Gus came yeah, on. And yeah. Michael Maguire went to become referee's coach. 
Yeah, but like you know, to be actually on the field. Anyway, oh. uh, one side. We'll put that to one side. He's been sacked by Gus Gould. The only person that could sack him in that club being the football manager, CEO, whatever his role is. Now he's done this before, but never like his team is coming fourth, fourth, fifth, fifth. He's and the, you know they've won their last two. Uh, and, and it's a month before the finals. It's a month before the finals. They're at somewhat favourites. What is they going to get out of sacking the coach? Well, I'm not entirely sure. It's just a bizarre way to do it. I also can't believe it took till round 21 to see our first coach sacking. Yeah. Ricky Stewart will be cheering. Was it? Has there not been anyone else? No. Ah. There's been no one else this year. Because remember at the start, we were talking about who's getting sacked. None yep. of them have. None of them Although have. I believe you may have mentioned Griffin as a potential sacking. So yeah. well done. Well, there man. you go. Early. Um, but yeah, it's... It's a really strange one, but a few uh, people have pointed out that the last few weeks where they've had these ridiculously good comebacks, the game plan hasn't allowed that comeback. They've played to this weird structure that Griffin has that sucks, and then when the players throw it out and say, let's actually play some footy, that's where they're looking unstoppable. I was watching that game on the weekend where they won 40-31. to 31. Yeah. Potential, it, it has the potential to be the greatest game of rugby league I've ever seen, A, but B, you saw it. <laughs> Benrith were really structured The structure didn't really work It didn't suit the players yeah. Then when they threw that out the window And had some fun They just absolutely went to town And that seems to be part of the basis for it It's like Griffin couldn't lead this team to a premiership As far as people seem to think But again, at this time of the year Mere weeks after Gus came out and said Griffin won't be sacked He's, you know, he's the coach He's doing the job to do it now is just really, really strange. strange. It's also like they might say the players are pushed for this as well. But like, look at Gus's tenure here. Tenure, 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 tenure. Uh, here, and it's like very early on. I think in 2013, 14 or something that he, he managed that he got himself there. This is now five years into his five year plan, and we, you know, no, we're actually closer to ten years into his five year well, plan. It's, it's just that he had the five year plan. And he talked about it, and sure, they moved up the ladder, and they sort of went back down, and they're back up around that top four again. But then he, but he sacked. Ivan Cleary to bring in um, Hook so it was like also the reason for sacking Ivan Cleary was that he looked tired <laughs> and that's Gus Gould saying to someone else <laughs> that they look tired have you seen Gus Gould the man needs a sleep apnea machine ASAP <laughs> he can't see anything more than four foot in front of him because you thought Coles had some problems with bags the bags under his eyes are <laughs> giving him real grief oh, at least they're not single use yeah uh, <laughs> they're, they're, it's really awful to think but it's like where does the accountability come you ins- you like you put him in, you appointed him as coach, and now you're not happy, so you're sacking him. I understand that's the role of the football manager, surely, but like, surely he would go, Well, that was actually my mistake, boys. Sorry about that. He's actually a real <laughs> wanker. Um, I'm going to step down with him, like, and, and throw, but he's not. He's, he, if anything, he keeps it at arm's length and keeps himself in the role. And this, now, I don't know, does anyone want to go, like, who do, who's replacing him, Liam? Who do you think? Well, go actually, who's replacing him is Knight's legend, Cameron Seraldo. Mm. Cameron Seraldo has been assistant coach to Hook Griffin throughout the season. Yeah. Apparently, he's quite good at it. There was, you know, all this talk about Anthony Griffin's lost the dressing room, but that that happens to every coach. They say that about every coach, ever. And then they don't get sacked, and they're like, oh, no, that was all a lie. Turns out this one might have been true, but it sounds like Cameron Serrato will be caretaker coach. Now, Gus Gould came out, I think, three weeks ago and said that Trent Barrett will not be coaching at Manly in 2020. Mm. So that's probably a lie. He said that some other coach won't be coaching. Yes, that's probably a lie. I think he's going to bring in five or six coaches <laughs> and then just pay them to stand around while he coaches anyway. What's the point? He's also could he take on the role himself? I don't know. Look, I don't know whether like what what's the ins and outs of uh, of 
that, but apparently, like, why would you want to go there with, when Gus Gould decides to sack coaches on a whim? It seems like there's no job security for anyone. They must be paying <laughs> these coaches out also before their contract finishes. But here's the thing, Nag. You know, you mentioned that Gus was talking about a, a five-year plan. Um, it's actually been misquoted. He was talking about a five-coach plan. Five-coach plan, He's yeah. gotten rid of Matt Elliott, uh, the other one, Ivan uh, Cleary. Ivan Cleary. Now, uh, the... Su- Hook. Hook. Yeah, Hook. <laughs> yeah. Ivan Henjack, I think he got rid of... No, that was the Broncos. No, that was the Broncos. Was we, the Broncos. Had, we had two Ivans going at one stage. We had stage. two Ivans. It was really confusing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks like it's actually a five-coach plan. So five whoever's coach. next is out the door straight away anyway. But that's number one. four. That fifth one, he's up for a premiership. He's set. Surely. But it, <laughs> but he might be trying to cash in on, on the luck of uh, going into with a new coach, a caretaker coach, and the, the, the kind of like... I don't know, winning feeling that you get. If you remember when Danny Badiris took over from um, Stone mm-hmm. and then we managed a couple of wins uh, in, a, in a side that didn't look like we could manage anymore. I think we got two from the last four or something like that. Uh, if you remember that fellow that took over from, uh, who was the Tigers coach? I'm trying to think of. Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor took over at Souths. Uh, no, no, he took over at Parramatta, sorry, and then they had that, that dream run in 09 uh, as caretaker coach before going to South, so not, not being able to... punched by David Farr-Longo. I think we all wanted to punch <laughs> punch um, Taylor at one stage or another. But there's there's always... And then Freddie at the Roosters taking over, I think, from Chris Anderson. Uh, yeah, and then winning the grand final. And then, well, did he win? Has, has there ever been a caretaker coach win a grand final? I'm not sure, but you tend to get this sort of like freedom. And I remember Freddie saying it was great coming in as a caretaker coach because I was just there and it was like, oh, things are already done for me and I could just... <laughs> I was just one of the boys, and he's like. Uh, but then the next year, when he was the, the full time coach, um, he got uh, really drunk and uh, and then was trying to get into someone's. I think they were staying in like cabins. I think it was in Port Macquarie in preseason, and he was shirtless and really drunk. He was banging on the door to let to let him in, but it wasn't his room. <laughs> it wasn't his cabin. What so, a legend! But yeah, and also I think it was the, the year that Nate Miles um, did the take a, took a shit in the hallway of another hotel. So you can imagine what was going on in the roosters there. <laughs> a lot of fun. The a lot Nate, of good times. Nate Miles, the only but, player that could be... <laughs> oh, never mind. It was a shit joke, but <laughs> quite literally. I get it, yeah. It but sh- that's sh- kind of worrying for any team who's going to be playing Penrith in the next few months. Because once they've got the shackles thrown off and they're playing however the hell they want, they are terrifying. Well, they've already been playing well, but it's only for... No, they haven't. They've been playing well for the last 20 minutes, but, but the, now they'll be playing like the last 20 minutes for 80 minutes. I don't think you could get better... Def- mm. Like, it's defensive problems, surely. Like they've, yeah, I don't No, know. it's not. It's they, Their attack is going to be... Outrageous! It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. See if they can do it. Speaking of which, we've got them in two weeks. We're fucked. <laughs> do we really? Oh, Three yeah. weeks. Oh, yeah. Two weeks. Anything else in the news? Is such a full, full. That's it. Oh. it. I feel like we raced through it. Very interesting. Sack this week, Liam. Um, yeah, a bit different this week, Naggy. Now we uh, we obviously ask for your input, guys. We love the sack. We love uh, everyone to be a part of the sack. And this week, I thought we would focus on the um, people that you know, the lesser knowns, the people that have played the game under sort of the shadow of their older brother. I thought it was time to give the the lesser brother a time to shine. And I asked uh, if anyone could name a team full of these lesser brothers to play the game that have, you know, spent their whole life sort of been mentioned only to say that they're the brother of the better player. So it's and then we thought we'll give them give them a chance. So we asked you to send in and I think we have two. We have two, two to pick finalists. from this week. Excellent teams as well by the way. Very good feedback. Now these finalists have been selected mm. by the fans. Both were tied on uh, the amount of I believe it was the amount of likes Likes. per post. Really good teams, guys. Thank you for your input. Now, our first team we have, uh, coached by Nick Morgan, user Nick Morgan. Nick Morgan. On fullback, we have Chris Walker, brother of Ben and Shane, of course. Yeah. Well, I think you could have put any of the Walker brothers there. They all kind of weren't 
good always. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the wings, Ben McDougal, brother of Adam, and Chanel Matadia, brother of Sione, Pete, and Pat. Mm. In the centres, we have Luke McDougal, brother of Adam, yeah. and Ben. Mad Pup, they used to call him. Mad Pup, and they he, did. he also, when he played for the Knights, I think it was, when he played for South, he didn't own a car. Huh. He just got Adam to pick him up and drive him <laughs> to training. Which story. I thought was great. Surely they would have had a car deal, a sponsor. Maybe it just wasn't very good. They had. They remember it was in rugby league week. They used to have like car, like you know, show show the players' cars, and they had like I think oh, Jason Smith or whatever. He was like on a big Harley and stuff. And then they had a photo of him, and he just goes, and he was in thongs, and he was like, <laughs> I don't have a car. Adam oh, just picks me up. Good for him. Mm. Uh, the other centre is Pat Matadio, again brother of Sione, Pete, and Chanel. Mm. At halfback, we have Michael. No, five eighth, we have Michael Monahan, brother of Joel, of course. Yeah. Halfback, we have Craig Kamali, brother of Brett. Now, in the front row, we have Steve Trindle, brother of, of course, Daryl Tricky Trindle. Tricky Trindle. And the other prop position I like this from uh, Nick, it's either Corbin or Tarek Sims. Both peanuts for leaving the knives. Take your pick. Yeah. Uh, brother of Ashton, of course. At hooker, we have James Alberson, brother of Mitchell. Uh, Dad actually grew up with... Uh, the Orbison's dad went to high school with him no down there in Sydney. Uh, second row is Mark Minicello, of course, brother of Anthony, and yeah. Joseph Paulo, brother of Junior, and erstwhile captain of the United States Tomahawks Rugby League team, 2013 World Cup. And locking the scrum, we have Ian Hindmarsh, famously the brother of Nathan Hindmarsh. For so long in Nathan Hindmarsh's career, he'd never beaten a team with his brother in it. <laughs> and even when the Parramatta were playing quite well and um, when he came back for the Raiders, there was, uh, I think it was up until when he had the contract with the, with the Raiders, the very end. It took him to the very end of Ian Hindmarsh's career to win, to beat a team with his brother playing it, which I thought was brilliant. That's um, hilarious. It's a very Hindmarsh stat too. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But a, a great team, the great team. I tell you what, um, I, I I thought Joseph Paulo was Junior Paulo. I thought there was one player. For a long time, I did think yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> they look similar as well. Like, uh, but also, now. the only thing, the only problem they have, with, I thought Michael Monaghan was the better of the two Monaghan brothers. Well, you were wrong on that because well, Joel jo- Monaghan played Origin. He did play Origin. <laughs> and Michael did not. But he, Michael Monaghan never tried to force himself onto a canine. He didn't. And that's, you know, that's a big tick in his favour. I think, if anything, Joel Monaghan would be really happy with how the whole Mitchell Pierce thing, because now it's like dog joke, Mitchell Pierce, <laughs> dog joke, Mitchell Pierce, and he's just Which like, we don't endorse on this show, by the way. No, no abuse whatsoever to no. any sort of four-legged or two-legged um, things or beasts or people, uh, for that matter. <laughs> but it's uh, but now it's, yeah, everyone forgot how he forced, you know, got the photo of a... That was like the real social media. Do you remember this name? I do, and I, and I think it happened at a good time for Joel because social media hadn't quite taken off quite so much. So it was, oh, there's a photo of a player. That's crazy. That never happens. And then we forgot about it. Well, he took Whereas off. Now, he, he went to the Super League. He and, did. Yeah, so but imagine this being like... His head oh, in a bucket. But yeah, imagine going, yeah, like, oh, getting this new player this week from Australia. Oh, who is it? You know that guy that put his dick in the dog's mouth? Yeah, him. That guy's coming to play. And oh, then he would have played. It, it was mad Monday, Nagy. Let the boys have some fun. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Don't, please don't let the boys have fun <laughs> in that manner. Uh, second team is coached by Luke Gain. Thank mm. you very much, Luke Gain, for your submission. At fullback, we have Wes Nyingama. Yeah. Famously brother of, of Kevin, Kevin Nyingama. Yeah. Uh, on the wings, we have Luke McDougall again. Mad pup. Excellent. Good crossover. And Josh Morris. Could have put either Morris there and I wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> Played for 25 years and they're still the same person to me. Yeah. In the centres, you have Pete Mataudia. Yeah. Again, brother of, brother of Pat Chanel, Sione, yeah. and probably a bunch of others because it's a large family. Yeah. Um, you have Matt Geyer, famously brother of Mark Geyer. I thought this was great because I, I, I even though Matt Geyer, Mark Geyer, they, just, they didn't look like each other. I've never seen them in the same room. They're they play for different clubs. Physically the polar opposite. MG's yeah. this enormous, you know, hulking, statuesque figure. This guy's just this skinny bloke. With bald. Yeah, it's just, it just, you know, did, I don't know, he played for ages too. I think he was younger than Mark Guy too, and he always looked 15 years his Older. senior. <laughs> yeah. 
In the halves, we have, of course, our very own uh, Matthew Johns, avid listener of the show. Couldn't find any details on his brother. Number seven, we have Shane Walker, brother of Ben and uh, Chris. All the other walkers, Again, yeah. could put any walker in there. Wouldn't have made a difference. At uh, props, we had Jason Kalis, brother of Nathan. Also a very good player. Only eclipsed by Nathan because he was one of the great props of all time. And Luke Burgess, the often forgotten about Burgess brother. Yeah, that was the one that went to Manly, wasn't it? He did, it? and then and, committed uh, crimes in New York. Yeah, 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 because he committed crimes in, you know, in America, and mm. him and John Sutton got kicked out of... Uh, they did. Got kicked out. Any more? Yes, to... Hooker, Stephen Walters, brother of Carrot and Kevin. Yeah. And then there was a cousin. <laughs> okay. But Steve Walters finished his career at the Knights, yeah. but that was a different Steve Walters. Or something. There was, there was a few Steve Walters and one of them played for the Knights. And I can never remember which one it was. <laughs> Not this, that one. No, it wasn't that one, was it? It was brother of the other Steve Walters. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's too many Walters. Get rid of them. Uh, number 11 and 12 in the second row, yeah. we have Mark Minicella, of course, brother of, of Anthony. Uh, Anthony and Ian Hindmarsh, again, again, brother of Nathan. And locking the scrum, we have Glenn Stewart, brother of Brett Stewart, which I thought was an interesting one because Glenn was a phenomenal player in his own right. Yeah. Obviously, Brett had a few years off after certain allegations, again, about penetrating. But again, we're disproved. <laughs> well, sorry, not again, because the Monaghan one wasn't disproved. But yeah, Pret had his disproved. But I always thought that Glenn Stewart was the more successful brother. Played um, a bit, few more origins, few test matches. It's a toughie. I like them both. And so we're just going to uh, del- deliberate now to see who wins our mm. one of our official Covenant Joust mugs. And so let's do the deliberation. We have the answer, and that answer is we can't decide, so we're going to give both mugs. Uh, well done to both <laughs> mug winners, Luke Gain and Nick Morgan. Send us your uh, specifics, house number, yeah, and all the rest, all street the, it's on, all the digits, postcode. Yeah, the postcode, the couple of things that you really need, and we'll send you a mug. It's going to be fantastic. Mm. So thank you very much for playing. Keep your eye out for some more team lineup challenges from the Joust in the final parts of the season. It's going to be fun to do and fun to see. But thank you all for being a part of it. And Liam, do you have anything else to add before we close the show? That's no, it. <laughs> that news segment really took it out of me. I know there was lots of news. There's so much going on. Finally, well, let's just finish with the score prediction. How do you think we're going against the Warriors? Oh, who knows? <laughs> Hundred to. 200. I think 20 to 30, I think we'll get them. I think uh, 30 points. I think 30 points to 20. All right, you've taken it seriously. I'm going to take it seriously. I think the Knights by... You know what? I'm going to go a close one. Yeah. 16 to 12. Well, very good. I don't think... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if we can actually score 30 points. But against the Warriors, maybe. Who knows? Thank you all for joining us, Justice. We'll see you next week. If you like us, find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter... Instagram. Maybe find us at the Commie. You might even find us at the Commonwealth Hotel, one of the most finest establishments in Newcastle. With one of the best Timpy comps, which is uh, emphasized by our holding up the bottom of the tipping comp. Well, it's an important part to be at the bottom because you need to, you know, really, you're supporting all the other tipsters. Someone's got to be at the bottom. Yeah, we're very, very bad at that. But I tell you, it's a very, very fine pub. Uh, Wonderful venue. We might even head there tonight for a bit of a feed afterwards. And put our tips on. Right there in the heart of Newcastle. Mm. The team there at the Commie. It's fantastic. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining me, Liam. We'll see you all next week week.